The antidote. 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 You're listening to the antidote with Dave Hawkins. With Christian music that doesn't suck. Dave Hawkins, this is The Antidote. That song may be called Smokescreen Season, but it has nothing to do with campfires. 
It does, however, come from the new release for We Are Not Yet, We Are Only Becoming by Comrades. I'm hoping you're familiar with this band, but if not, you'll discover who they are and their music on tonight's episode. I met with the band several years ago, and that's when I became a fan of their music. Comrades is a band who creates songs with lyrical substance. They also have a style that's hard to define. It's hardcore, sometimes rock, and often post-hardcore. But whatever you want to call their music, all of it is great. My talk with Comrades' Laura McElroy went into deep topics that weren't always music-related. We did spend time, though, talking about their latest album and their previous face-down release, Lone Grey, which included our next song, Brother Less. Enjoy.
It's great to meet once again with comrades. Thanks so much for coming to The Antidote. Oh, no problem. Comrades has been at this for a long time, been more than a decade. Is making music ever a struggle for you? I think music always at some point in some in people's careers when they are musicians. Uh, well, probably in everyone's career, whatever you're doing. Um, you have to ask yourself, like, is it worth it? Um, and I think two things have always kind of anchored me to what we're doing. And um, the first is nothing worthwhile is easy. Um, and that's just how it works. Like with art, it's like you're essentially peddling your soul, <laughs> um, hoping that people will support you um, and that you can continue doing this like in some sort of feasible way. Um, and that gets really taxing. But I think secondly, um, I've always known like this is something that if I don't do it, I feel like a part of me is missing. And it's a part that's so big, like you don't want to deal with not having it so um yeah i think those two things have been really instrumental in me just like through the the difficult times you just like keep going so but i guess another thing to ask is what do you have to give up to make that happen oh there's i mean you have financial security um i can't have a dog um i don't know like just a lot of the things that people consider like normal um, you know, like buying a house, like we, we have to have roommates. So like you can't just live by yourself. Um, it's great because like, I mean, I love my roommate. She's one of my best friends, um, but also like built-in cat sitter, you know? So uh, you have to like fashion your life to um, be like functional, but it's not mainstream in any capacity, which is not what we're doing. So it makes sense. But yeah, it's not glamorous in, in any sort of way. It's just like doing what you know that you need to do. And there's always sacrifices when you are doing something you love. Like, that's just how it works.
The tone of that song may not have seemed worshipful, but the lyrics certainly are. That was Infinite Scale from Comrade's Lone Grey album. Coming up, I ask Laura about the band's sound, and I'll bring in the song Dark Tongues Part 2. Talking about the music itself, over this decade, there has been a gradual change to your sound. Well, yeah, I feel like when you grow as a person and you grow as a musician um, and your influences shift, um, like you're just going to have something that's more heavily influencing one record and then you move on to the next one and like you're just not in the same place anymore. So you can't really write something honest that was still the same as something that you wrote three years ago. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's inevitable, I think. Some artists are really disappointed with some of their original material. Does that ever come through with Comrades? Um, I think there's stuff that we could have done better. Um, And there's a couple of, like, EPs that might have been a little rushed. But I think that all of the songs that we wrote, I really love them. Um, I think that it's kind of like tattoos. It shows you where you were when you, you decided that that was something that you wanted to do. So... Um, and it's a part of your history. So um, there's nothing I want to bury and have no one ever find it. I'd say that's, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> well, a couple years ago, you had a bit of a change because you moved on to Face Down Records. Yeah. Does changing to a different label ever change the sound of a band or your band? I think it does in some bands' cases because they let the label dictate like what they do or like how marketable they are, whatever it is. And with us, like, we've never wanted to align ourselves with a label that would tell us how to be musicians. Because, I mean, while it's like their job to recognize, like, what they can put out and how that works, um, it's not their job to tell you how to play the music that's, like, part of you. So... Face Down's never, they've never done that at all. They're like so great. Um, They're just really awesome people and they're really awesome to work with. So we've never really had to worry about that. It was interesting, first release with Face Down, Lone Grey, it had a harder sound. Yeah. That was natural again? Yeah, I felt like that was where we were at the time. Um, And it was definitely one of those records where we were just like, well, like, let's just push ourselves and see what we can do. And so that's how it ended up.
Something that I would say is really key to the sound of Comrades is this dichotomy of vocal styles that you've got with the band. Yeah. You know, here's these light, delicate vocals coming from you, Laura, and then you have Ben delivering harder and harsh vocals. It's really noticeable on the song Shepherd's Hymn from Lone Gray. And so I guess the question is aimed at you as, does your voice make Comrades unique, you know, by having a strong female front? Well, I guess in a way they're like in this scene, there's a lot less women that are playing music. So I think that when we first started, especially like, I think we would play like probably like 15 to 20 shows. And then maybe I would see one woman that was playing. So it was kind of lonely out there, but I think that, um, with like the dynamic of the band, like we try and use the instruments and our voices as voices um, appropriately for what needs to be said at the time. So um, yeah, it works out really well um, with what we're trying to do, to do and to say. And yeah, there aren't a lot of bands out there like us. So I think it probably does put us in the more unique category in our musical sphere, if you will.
what a gorgeous song, Shepherd's hymn with its back-and-forth, clean and raw vocals. Laura carries on with her comments about the lack of women found in hardcore. Then we'll hear Underground Queen, a song that sort of loosely ties into that theme. What about with this lack or, or having fewer women vocalists? Is it really because that's what the fans are expecting or is that what the music industry is wanting to push? Um, I don't, I feel like with fans it's kind of like people accept what they are given in a way, you know? It's like if it doesn't exist then how can they accept it? Um, but with the industry, I mean, even when I first started playing, like, and I was like 14 years old and I was telling people like, hey, I want to be in a band when I grow up. They were just like, what do you mean? I was like, yeah, like live in a van. And they're like down by the river, you know? I'm just like, guys, no, that's not what I mean. Um, and so, and I feel like if a guy says that, they're like, oh, you want to be a touring musician? Like, okay, cool. Like, so I feel like it's not a lifestyle that a lot of people are looking at women and being like, yes, this is a safe world for you to do the thing that you think you should do. Um, like my parents were like, what are you doing? And I had to almost like fight with them about it. Um, not necessarily because they were like, that's, that's ridiculous. It was like, they were worried about me just like driving all over the country, like not really knowing what's going to happen and like showing up at all these places and just being in a lot of like dark spaces like my, my parents like have never really been in this world so they don't really get like what it's like or how it works so for them it's really scary and I feel like there's a lot of like a lot of women are not necessarily encouraged to go into this um one of the things that's really cool about this tour is that I've seen a lot of young women that are being encouraged like we played with a band called Circus Trees from Massachusetts and like they're 13, 15, and 17, and they're, they're sisters. They were really good. And their dad like brings them to the show, and their whole family shows up, and like their brothers like are in bands too, and like they just all carried their gear in and like set it up. And it was just like one of the coolest things. That's the kind of support that like a lot of women like don't have. I mean, if I had that kind of support when I was 14 years old, like I don't know where I would be, you know? And I mean, it's not saying that my parents weren't supportive, it was just like, they didn't know and they weren't really like willing to go into the spaces where I was like let's go to the rock show and they're like no no you're not old enough so like seeing that family just be so incredibly supportive was really cool and I feel like now because I mean I've been around playing shows for 10 years so like just seeing it shifting towards like more women are being encouraged to do the things that are like in their hearts like that's really cool it's definitely becoming a more common thing but for a long time it was just like it's just me playing in the basement so it's cool that means you could take on a mentor role yeah I mean I guess um, I do think that um, it's really just encouraging one another and like recognizing um, the thing and like and not hearing the words like oh you're good for a girl like that's really cool, <laughs> you know? Because um, for a long time they'd be like, oh, you're really good for a girl. And I'm like, what? No. Um, and so just like recognizing when people put the work in and play their instruments well and like do something that they obviously care about, like 
it's really beautiful and I'm really glad that our scene's like shifting towards that more and more. It's too bad that so many women get stuck with labels like that. Yeah. Recently did oh, a show yeah. on Sister Zeta Tharp and it's like, okay, one of the most killer guitar players I'd ever heard. Oh, and it's yeah. like, she's oh, you so know, she'll, oh yeah, for a black woman, wow, she's pretty good. It's like, no, no, everybody tried to play catch up to what she yeah. was doing. Like she was like Johnny Cash and like all of these very influential musicians from that era, like they cited her as a influence. So I'm just like, no, no, you can't say, like, she's good for a girl. Like, no, no, she's just good.
talk about comparisons because Comrades has often been compared to Thrice. So does this make you the new Dustin Kensrue? <laughs> no. <laughs> I love that band is like I love that band. They're so good. Um, and Dustin, like a lot of their records have been really influential in Comrades Get Records. So I wouldn't say like I don't think anybody can replace Dustin Kensrue. Um, but I will say like. I look up to that band a lot, so I wouldn't deny it like influencing some of the stuff that I do. But and I cover some of his songs like when I play solo sets and stuff. So um, yeah, I really love Dustin Kentry and Thrice. They're just so great. Um, but yeah, not replacing him though. Now I've been on the road the past few weeks, so I guess I'm running late to the new album. For we are not yet; we are only becoming. Up until now, all I've heard is the single Fault Lines. That's a powerful opener. I mean, it's positive and uplifting. What inspired it? Well, the whole record is about, like, your story and how our lives have this wonderful arc, like an English class, when you're sitting there and you're like, oh, yeah, character development, and this is like this, and blah, 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 blah. But... When you apply those things, it's like they're nice when they're in a movie, but then when you apply it to your life, it's definitely like your perspective becomes a lot more nearsighted. And so um, with Fault Lines, um, it was written from a perspective of like the hard things in life, they end. Like there's always, I guess the light at the end of the tunnel is what people mostly say, but it's like the way things are currently, like they aren't always going to be the way that we are because we grow through them and we move through them and um, there's we're just in process which is where the album title comes from it's a George McDonald quote but um, it just fits so well into like what all of the songs are about so um, yeah Fatlands is just about like that process where you, you can move through this and like just hold on and like it'll get better I really wonder though, does any of us ever come to the point where we could say that we have made it, that we've actually achieved it all, we've overcome? I think you can say there are things that you have overcome um, in ways, but the thing too is like, it's always going to be with you in in some capacity because it's a part of who you are now, you know? Um, And a lot of how that affects our lives in the future is how we deal with it and how we choose to to like view it in our like whatever perspective we take like if it's like this is a negative thing and it's always going to be this way and like I'm never going to be able to get through this and like if you hold on to those things versus like letting them go and letting them actually become part of your past like there's a vast difference like one of my friends um she always says like you can choose better you can choose better like with negative events in our lives I guess if you have to judge it I read a lot of books going through all of the things that led up to writing this record um, and one of them was very adamant about maintaining that like you have space within yourself to have difficult things and positive things simultaneously existing like having the, the, the perspective of like there's room for all of these things. Like I can exist with both light and dark and they need each other essentially to like highlight the good and the hard things. 
Fault Lines from Comrade's new album, For We Are Not Yet. We are only becoming. Okay, now let's have Laura back for more of her thoughts. Christians often don't want to acknowledge the negatives. They just sort of brush it off. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, well, I think that there is some truth to the idea that, like, there's um, studies that have shown that our brains are hardwired, and this is like the whole like survival tactics that our brains like to go into, but it's very easy for our brains to hold on to negative things. Um, and they automatically stick like Velcro. With positive things, you have to dwell on them for like 30 seconds or more for them to impress upon your brain. So a lot of people have been talking about like gratitude and all this like these like practices or like meditating on gratitude which um, meditation is really cool like I mean they talk about it in the Psalms where it's like you know I will meditate upon your word and it's just like okay so like thinking about the goodness of God or thinking about just even three good things that happened that day you know um, to kind of just like put into perspective like again there isn't just hard things in your life there's a lot of good too um, and there's a balance if you think about it, like there's 12, you have like 12 hours of daylight and then you have 12 hours of dark and 24 hours. Like if you just you want to divide it in half and not be super scientific. Um, and like you need both of those things to have a balance. Like you have the day when you're supposed to be doing all the things and you have the night when you're supposed to rest. And like if you don't do those things, then like your health suffers and you need vitamin D from the sun and all this stuff. So um, I feel like trying to just push like dark things or hard things or negative things away and not deal with them is a lot different than just being like okay this is it and this is how it works and like again if you go back to story and how the arc of a story works like those things are for character development and character development sounds really nice when you're writing it on a paper but when you get into your own life and character development. That's a lot different. <laughs> so does that mean that by running out of gas when you're coming to the festival this morning builds character? Oh yeah, it's supposed to. I mean, I was like, oh my God, this is so stupid. But you know, <laughs> I was like, why didn't we just stop at the gas station? Well, let's talk about more about driving. I was recently watching the video for Cliff Dweller from the new album. So what's with Comrade's obsession with old Volvos? Um, well, we, we drive them, <laughs> so, um, I mean, that started, like, I got my first Volvo in 2009, and, yeah, we just had them ever since. They're, like, the old ones, and we just slowly become, like, car nerds, um, so the one in Cliff Dwelling is our 59. Her name is Belle. She has an Instagram account, Belle the Amazon, um, but, yeah. Uh, it's like Joe's baby. <laughs> so. Well, the song actually speaks of God always being with us. Yeah. Never any doubts coming from you? Uh, so, I don't know. This is, this is my perspective on doubt. So, George McDonald says that it's like doubts are the messengers of the living one for those who have, like, essentially hungry hearts. Like, doubt pushes you beyond just your comfort zone um, and so I don't necessarily look at doubt as a bad thing I think doubt it's a tool to be taught more about your relationship with God um, 
So, yeah, there are doubts, but I'm not afraid of them. I think a lot of the church is afraid to doubt because it's like, oh, if you doubt, like, then your faith is weak or, like, whatever it is. And I'm like, well, it just depends on the kind of doubt. Like, if you're doubting the existence of God, like, that might be different than just doubting, like, whether or not what you're asking is the right thing. Doubt can come in various forms, so I don't, I'm not necessarily afraid of it because I know that God is bigger than those things. Like, he made us, he knows, like, it, it happens. In the last track called Nightingale, um, we have a line that's like, um, God does not fear questions even if you scream them. And that's just like, I feel like you have David in the psalm saying like, you know, and, and Christ like repeating it, like, God, why have you forsaken me? Like, questioning God and just being like, I'm not sure what you're doing here and I doubt what you're doing is, it's like, you try and say like, this is for my benefit and like my best interest, but it doesn't feel that way. Um, I don't know, I feel like it's okay to have doubts as long as you push through them and you're like, I have a doubt, like, I can't believe this anymore. Like, that's not what doubts are for. They're for like seeking through the nebula that is what doubt is. So yeah, or nebulous, whichever form is correct.
Cliff Dwelling, another of the songs found on Comrade's new album, For We Are Not Yet, We Are Only Becoming. You know, I hate to say this, but summer is half over. I mean, doesn't that suck? And I doubt this can make up for it, but I have some summer music coming next week. And I know this may sound weird, but I've always thought of psychedelic music and summer going hand in hand. So we're going to head into the deep past of Christian music to the late 60s and early 70s when hippies and Jesus people were opening up a new style of music. So tune in, you're guaranteed to find this interesting. Okay, here's a final question for Laura that turns out to be unanswerable than the song Nightingale. See you again next time. Earlier on, I brought up the dichotomy of Comrade's vocal styles, but I'm seeing another dichotomy on For We Are Not Yet, We Are Only Becoming. The songs switch back and forth between dealing with the positive and the negative. Which side wins? I think that's up to you. You know? Like, it's your choice. Like, in our record, I think that it's like there's always hope, you know? Whatever it is, there's always hope. And we try to point to that. Um, again, the difficult things will end, and there's always good that exists. And you have to choose which one you're going to focus on. Um, and, like, sometimes you have to get other people to help you through those things, and sometimes you have to read a bunch of books or find a record or journal until your hand falls off. Like, those things, like, you have to learn healthy ways to cope with things. Um, but in the end, like, it's up to you. So, if that's too vague, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's perfect. Laura, thanks so much for coming to The Antidote and speaking about comrades. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here.